1: and welcome to a sunday edition of tennis channel live the summer down under as we get you set for 12 hours of live action from sydney and adelaide on tennis channel and tennis channel plus it begins right now as we get closer and closer to the 2022 australian open there is our lineup starting at the top of the hour it'll be paula badosa who had that big breakout year in 2021 taking on Yelena Ostapenko, and then you see the lineup, including a couple of Americans, Sophia Kennan and Madison Keys in action. And welcome inside our Santa Monica studios. Happy New Year to everybody out there. We haven't seen you. I haven't seen you guys since the start of the new year. Rob Similcare, Chanda Rubin, Jimmy Arias, good to see you guys.
2: Great to see you as well. Tennis never stops, does it? So we're right <laughs> back at it. The off season's done in about three days.
3: Yes, and happy to be working with you guys the first week of the year for me.
2: You're
1: very okay. short. so You're used to those short <laughs> off-seasons that you get in right. tennis. I'll very short. i was the one
3: I had, though. That was pretty good.
1: Absolutely. Well, all eyes, of course, turning to Australia in the tennis world. And, of course, an unexpected bit of attention being given right now to the immigration situation in Australia. As Novak Djokovic, the nine-time Australian Open champion, continues to wait for final word from Australia. Of course, if you've been following this story that is now a global, bigger-than-tennis story, he got that medical exemption from the Victoria government, flew down to Melbourne, was then informed his visa had been canceled by border force forces in Australia. He's now spent four nights in a quarantine hotel An appeals hearing is underway at this hour. Just getting started, Djokovic's lawyers making their appeal. The state of Australia will present their case at 11 p.m. Eastern time and we will keep you informed as to everything going on as this plays out down in Australia and Chanda obviously a story that everyone in the tennis world is watching what have your thoughts been as you've seen this play out
3: I mean it's just been a big mess and and it continues to get more interesting as more facts come out and and more factors um, with regard to the timeline of things and it's tough to know kind of what to believe because there are conflicting events Um, and and certainly there were a lot of hands in the pot and that always makes it a lot messier and you can you consider how difficult this must be and whether you agree with Djokovic in in terms of how he went about seeking the exemption, you have to feel for him. The fact that he's going through all of this now after getting what we know, I guess, was an exemption, um, it is just mind boggling how it has turned into more of a PR story and more of you know, trying to save face. And I think that's the part that is bad for all the parties involved.
2: It's so convoluted in so many ways, this entire situation, because no one knows exactly what's happened. But let's, let's break it down a little bit. Number one, Novak Djokovic wants to play in the Australian Open badly. Number two, he does not want to be vaccinated. He wants to get into the country and play the tournament. They, to me, where Australia messed up a little bit is make it that black and white. No vaccine, you don't come in. But medical exemption, you can fudge maybe something. He's looking for a way to get in, he wants to play. He's a tennis player that wants to play, that's going for records and trying to be the greatest of all time. He's gonna take any chance he can to get into the country. That's all he really did in the end of the day. We don't know what else has happened around the edges, but what he wanted to do was go play Australia, no matter what, and he was gonna take any chance. And also, he didn't wanna take the vaccine, well, obviously. I think
3: that, that- was the interesting part for me, the fact that he had the social media post before getting on the plane, sort of highlighting the fact that he was going to play, but that he had an exemption, that clearly he was not vaccinated. And I didn't know why he mistake. had to make that a mistake. real point on that. Mm-hmm. And that started the huge firestorm of backlash from the public. Then the government, I think, got involved really to save face. Uh, and it just turned it into a bad show, uh, for lack of a better word. But I couldn't figure out why he why he did that.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to keep an eye on what happens in Melbourne. We will break into coverage to let you know if there is news. You can also follow all the tennis channel social handles as well, as we will give you the latest on this story as it develops in Melbourne. Meanwhile, there was tennis, and there was a man named Rafael Nadal in action. So great to see him playing, going for a title against the American Maxime Crescent.
2: And he was in a little trouble First set tiebreak. That was set point for Crescent. He's playing a guy that serves and volleys every point. Nadal has never seen that in his career. No one does that anymore. And Nadal handled it pretty well after being down set point. Won two straight points on the Cressy serve. Served out the point. You can see how pumped up Nadal is. It's been a while since he's played on the tour. Second set, he got down an early break against Cressy but broke right back. And again, Nadal, even after all these titles that he's won in his career, He's still very excited because any time he's playing and any time he's winning, he's always giving 100%. Once he got sort of accustomed to the serve and volley, started returning serve from a little closer in, he managed to break a couple of times in the second set, and if they're in baseline rallies, there's no real chance for Cressy. Nadal gets through in straight sets, wins the first title of the year, didn't drop a set, and Ruth. Big smiles from Nadal. He spoke after the match.
1: I think I played my best match so far since I arrived here uh, without a doubt Uh, against a very difficult player to play against so uh, yeah it's it's a positive start now I have uh, one week to keep uh, practicing but of course I was able to play three matches uh, win a title Uh, that's gonna help. So Nadal maintains a run of winning at least one title every year for 18 years. And there you see where he ranks on the all-time titles list. This is incredible. Now up to fourth, he's three clear of Djokovic and creeping up on Ivan Lendl, only five away as he makes his way up the all-time leaders list.
3: Yeah, you got to figure it's only a matter of time before he catches up with Lendl.
1: All right, to Sydney we go now. The ATP Cup Finals, this is... Canada against Spain for the title, and Denis Shapovalov starting it off for Canada.
3: Yeah, this was a really good effort from Shapovalov, who served so well, especially in the first set, was clutch saving eight break points during the course of the match and here able to get a couple of break opportunities working to stay aggressive and that was the key to this match. He got the first set tucked away. This was a big match. Canada trying to win the ATP Cup in its third iteration and Shapovalov just continued to apply pressure on Karenyo Busta. This is not an easy matchup. He's lost to Cranio Busta in the past but in this match he just stayed aggressive, you could see how confidently he was hitting the ball, the forehand was the big weapon and I think overall it was just the mindset of Shapovalov, he kept going for it, showing some good court coverage there, keeping this point alive on match point and finally gets it, to sets, hard fought victory, an important one to set the, the tone of the day.
1: All right, so the win by Shapovalov puts Canada in a position where they can win the event if they get a win from Felix Auger-Aliassime taking on Roberto Bautista Agut.
2: And Bautista Agut hadn't dropped a match in this championship all the way until he's playing in the finals against Felix Auger-Aliassime. This is the kind of matchup that I would think favored Batista because he's just so solid. And OJ even though he has all the weapons in the world, will sometimes have a little bit of a letdown game and give you an opportunity. Credit OJ no letdown today. Takes that first set in a tie break. Continues with the momentum in the second set as, again, more firepower OJ Ali has than Batista Gu, and he used it to his advantage, but just stayed consistent, rock solid, played the big points awfully well, knew that he just needed one more point to win the championship for Canada. We've expected team championships for this country because they got these two young superstars. Didn't look great when this started, this ATP Cup, Shababalov was out with COVID, but they came through in the end. So the
1: Canadians celebrate Down Under.
0: Put a team together last minute, kind of, kind of, you know, put the pieces in, and obviously we had a really tough start, but uh, we kept fighting, kept believing. Uh, you know, Felix played a really, really amazing match against Cameron that, that really put belief in us, and we just kind of ran with that momentum. That feeling of of winning, the confidence that it brings, you know, to to each individual, I think is uh, is great. You know, so I think that's why this event is great. It's here to stay, and. Uh, yeah, I hope uh, I hope the best, you know, to all the boys, um, you know, for the rest of the season. Uh, I mean, we have a lot of uh, belief in each other, so yeah, hopefully this
1: uh, carries on uh, not just this week, but in the the lot of months to come. And Chanda, a great generation of young Canadian tennis players. Now they've got some hardware to show for it.
3: Yeah, and I think that is, I think, what was most impressive about that picture. We've been seeing these two youngsters. They've been playing doubles together, coming up through juniors. They have been players to watch, of Alav and Oje Ali and they're finally kind of coming into their own. Oje Ali just a little bit later, he had a terrific kind of second half uh, to last year. And the important part, you heard him mention it. It's building for this year and trying to get off to a good start, using these matches to build into the Australian Open and beyond. And I think it was impressive the way they got better as the competition went on.
2: These guys are incredibly talented, incredibly flashy games that can have some ups and downs. So it's difficult to win the biggest titles because you can't have those downs. As they get older, I think they're going to have fewer and fewer of those down moments within matches, and you're going to see a lot of great things from both those guys.
1: All right, well, we're getting set for some great tennis at the top of the hour. Live tennis coming your way here on Tennis Channel right after TC Live. Plus, when we come back, we'll tell you about amazing Amanda and winning an Aussie Open tune-up. Then, the grief of tennis. We'll have Chanda weigh in as well as Jimmy on the grief the five stages you go through in a tennis match I know I've been through them in my club matches and match previews a full slate of tennis coming up tonight plus when we come back we will talk about Novak Djokovic the historical impact of what is happening with him right now in Australia when we come back on TC Live. See it that deadlock of 20 for the top three players in the game of tennis Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal have all been stuck there for a bit and. Of course, with Djokovic and his dominance of Australia over the years, nine titles in Melbourne, I think, Jimmy, as we get into our tennis topics here, the thought certainly was after he lost at the U.S. Open, okay, well, he may not have gotten it done in New York, but Melbourne's coming, we know he dominates, and this is a bit of a plot twist no one really expected.
2: Look, it seemed like it's only a matter of time until he's the guy who pulls away. Federer's 40 years old. I don't even know if he's ever going to play again. He's had another knee surgery. It's going to be a long time. So, most likely fetters stuck at 20 no one hate me about it um here's a look at what boris becker had to say with djokovic because djokovic is threatening to not be able to play any more majors you have to get vaccinated in today's day and age and he's refusing so becker loves novak djokovic like a family to him but he feels as though get vaccinated if he had gotten vaccinated he would be the favorite to win in australia he would be the favorite to break that record and just continue we'll see what happens now all of a sudden rafa nadal who i was Maybe counting out, it, he might win a French or two, but you were thinking mm. his body wasn't going to hold up on the hard court. He wins in Melbourne. He, he was moving pretty well this week. He might now be, he's probably the favorite to win in Australia if Djokovic doesn't get in.
1: And Chan, do you look at that list? And if, if Nadal's able to win in Melbourne, of course, you got the French Open coming right Behind it, so it could get interesting for a bit between Nadal and Djokovic.
3: No, this is a great opportunity for Nadal if uh, Djokovic is unable to play the Australian Open. And I think, regardless of that, Nadal has still got to be thinking, you know, these chances are fewer and far between. So let me try to take advantage of it. He's gotten healthy, played his way into uh, this year in really nice fashion. So you've got to like Nadal's chances. But interesting with Boris saying that, I think, you know, Novak Djokovic, he thinks a certain way and he's so stubborn about how he thinks and i think with regard to vaccinations it hasn't maybe been good Mm. but it is the thinking that has put him into this goat conversations so it's hard to say you know if he were someone different that he would have put himself in the place he's put himself i mean into the conversation ahead just maybe ahead of federer and and nadal it's been incredible but a lot of that is due to how he thinks and how he approaches the game
2: anyone that's as great as those guys were think differently than most everybody else. So, obviously, Djokovic is is one of those guys that thinks differently. Excellent point, Jan.
1: All right. Well, if Djokovic does not win his appeal, which, again, we're following, it's underway right now in Melbourne and does not play in the Australian Open, I start with you, Jimmy. Who would you then look at as a favorite in Melbourne starting next week?
2: I mean, what's funny is I wasn't even thinking of Nadal until he just played last week and played pretty – Played pretty well, won the title. I would have said Medvedev far and away. Just the way he's played on hard court over the last few years. He was a finalist last year. He's the second best player on hard court and maybe the best right now. He may have already caught Djokovic. They were probably even in my eyes. So Medvedev's now the favorite going in. But a little tick to Nadal maybe being still being Nadal.
3: Yeah, I think Nadal definitely this week, kind of this past week, kind of said, you know what, don't count me out. You know, he seems like, as you mentioned, he's moving well. That was a big factor, came in um, to the start of the year with some injury questions, with the foot that he struggled with. But, you know, if he can stay healthy, you certainly got to put him in that conversation. But I agree, Jimmy Medvedev would be the one you'd kind of have at the top of the list um, with the breakthrough he had at the U.S. Open and just the mindset he has kind of put himself into. uh, This definitely could be a a year for him to. Breakthrough it in Australia
1: all right guys we'll take a break again we are headed toward live tennis at the top of the hour we come back here on TC live Amanda Anna she won a title down in Australia yesterday what a week she had what's behind this hot start for the young American backward that on TC live coming up Back here on TC Live, there's a look at Sydney as we get set for live women's singles. First round action of the Sydney Tennis Classic. Paola Badosa and Yelena Ostabenko will lead things off. To Adelaide we go now, and Australian number one, Ash Barty, looking for a title against Elena Rybakina.
3: And Barty has been, you know, so consistent as the world number one, the game solid, and against the big hitting, Rabakina, more of the same, started out hitting confidently. The forehand was a big weapon after neutralizing things with the backhand point after point. And the serve of Barty really came through. She outserved served Rabakina, who is a big server in her own right, but it allowed Barty to set up forehands at will to control the middle of the court, and they're closing it out in very clean fashion.
1: So Barty looking to go into her home slam strong gets the straight set win over Rabakina in Adelaide. Now to Melbourne we go Simona Halep trying to bounce back from an injury filled 2021 looking for a title against Veronica Kudamatova.
2: A lot of changes for Halep. She's been a staple in the top 10. She's fallen out of the top 10. She got married. She didn't play much last year as you mentioned because of the injuries. But she's. Rededicating herself this year she wants to continue playing she wants to get back to the top ten and it's a pretty good start to the year isn't it. First tournament of the year. Nice solid win. First set very simple in the finals against Kermitoba and it just kept it going throughout this match. Always been a bit of a defender, Halep, but she's able to turn that defense into offense often enough and a very comfortable straight set. Move. She had a difficult early round match against Coco Golf and then started playing through. well. Actually, that was that important, so take that back. But a good, solid week for Hallep. A
1: good start for Halep as she starts her 2022 campaign. They're giving out a lot of trophies in Australia this week. Another event also in Melbourne, the American Amanda Anna Masova taking on Alexandra Sasnovich.
3: Yeah, Anna Samova really played well in the first set Sazovich has Sasnovich has been a solid player gaining confidence. Anna Samova just out hitting her but in the second set Sasnovich able to turn the tables, got more aggressive, started pushing Anna Samova around. the serve of Anna Samova fell off, allowed Sasnovich to be more aggressive. and right there though she pulled up, tweaked something on her thigh, had it taped saw the trainer got down 3 love in the third set after that injury timeout but then dug in was able to turn the tables really showing more of the belief that she's been gaining in her game has struggled the last couple of years Anna Samova but this was huge for her to stay in the match turn things around and get her second title of her career
1: so Anna Samova with the win and she holds up that just that the boomerang I'm not quite sure which way to hold it, right side up, upside down, but she gets the win. And Jimmy Anasimova, you know, big breakthrough, of course, a few years ago at Roland Garros. She struggled a bit since then. What do you see in her game now that could have her back up in the top ten?
2: First of all, I thought she was going to be a top player for years to come. She was so young on clay making semifinals at Roland Garros when you don't think her game is actually should be focused on clay. It's more of a hardcore game. She hits flat and hard. Her two-handed backhand is a thing of beauty. She lost confidence. She had some tragedies with her father passing away. All that affected her. It's nice to see her start to come back. Really, it's up to her forehand and her serve. If she improves the forehand, improves the second serve, then she's going to continue being great. Her backhand is absolutely money.
3: Yeah, I also think it's been a struggle for her to find a consistent, you know, coaching situation. Now she's working with uh, Darren Cahill. They are supposed to work together for Australia. That could be something um, that continues long-term. She kind of mentioned that in a a social media post that she hopes it does. But I think just getting settled more in terms of her game, what she needs to do, how she needs to play to win consistently, but also settled in terms of her off-court life and, you know, just getting back that winning feeling. I think that gives her a tremendous boost. It's nice to see her back.
1: All right. Well, let's check out what's going on online as we check in on the social net. And. We start with Nikolas Basilevich. I'm sorry, we start actually with Andrea Petkovic, who, this is interesting, she talks about the, the five stages of grief <laughs> that you experience in a tennis match. And you can probably relate to this, Chanda. Is this in a win or a loss? Like, well, What do you think about these you stages? Know,
3: you know, it's interesting. I would have never thought of it this way, but I think it all depends on your mindset as well. I mean, you don't want to be so up and down during a match, but this could happen during a game. It could happen within a point. Uh, and for me, the way I look at it, it's the acceptance part that is actually most important. I look at it as you know struggling, and then you're able to turn a match around once you accept what is going on, what you may need to do. Uh, And so I love this this tweet from Petkovic, who is one of those players we consider, you know, pretty smart, very well-read. She puts it together very nicely.
2: What's funny is I'm coaching players that want to be very good, young players, and I want them to have not one of those words (laughs) in their vocabulary when they're playing. Maybe acceptance is fine accepting (laughs) that you're winning the match every other word i want your mind to go into a different place than that well
3: what's the depression jimmy you know what what part would you consider the depression i don't
2: exactly i want none of that i want you i want you euphoric i want you feeling happy and confident and at least faking it that's the one thing to Uh, me i think if you fake those positive things that you actually can start feeling them, and if you <laughs> think the way Petkovic does, you're in a little bit of trouble in a match.
1: Jimmy, what about bargaining? Have you Have you had to bargain with yourself on the on the court at all? How has that turned out?
2: I. I, I Again, I try not to do any of those words except acceptance. (laughs) That's the only one I can accept. How's that? All right. Well, how about we'll bargain for a break, come back, and we'll we'll, we'll think about
1: that when we come back. Meanwhile, a lot of tennis coming at you. We start at 7 p.m. Eastern time. The women playing in Sydney and Adelaide. And then a night session at 1 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. Encore coverage starting on Monday morning at 6.30 a.m. And then, of course,
3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Another trophy handed out in Australia. Gael Monfils looking to win.
2: The older players are dominating to start the season in 2020. Nadal wins the title. Gael Monfils haven't won a title post covid but he has one one now over hatching off in straight sets and Monfils is the type of player who's always played so defensively as you get a little bit older you should be trying to shorten the points but he showed you in that in that point he still defends awfully well.
3: I think it's so much about the joy that Monfils feels when he plays and you could see it there.
1: All right here are the featured matches starting at the top of the hour and it'll be Paola Badosa leading things off against Yelena Ostapenko. Badosa of course had that breakout year in 2021. One Indian Wells, her ranking now in the top 10. She will kick things off. Then it'll be Kvitova in action as well. And a couple of Americans, Ali Risk, Sophia Kennan in action as well. I look at you, Chanda. What jumps out at you on that list of matches?
3: You know, it'll be interesting to see uh, Sophia Kennan and sort of how she's rebounding. It was nice to see her back out, you know, first uh, week of the year. Had some struggles last year. But a Grand Slam champion, and you just enjoy when she's out there, you know, playing with the freeness that we've seen her play with.
1: And, of course, uh, we'll see Madison Keyes in action on that list as well against Svitolina, a couple of players who have had some great highs in the past starting out this year. What do you look for there?
2: Well, Svitolina is so solid, makes a million balls. Madison Keyes so many weapons, but you're never sure whether they're going to go in or not, and I think that's going to be the matchup. If Keyes is hot, she's got a chance. If she's not, Fidelina will take advantage.
3: Yeah, that's going to be the question is the consistency level of Madison Keys. A lot of times with a big game, you need a few matches under your belt. And for Keys, maybe a little short on that coming out of last year's Fidelina, a little bit better at the end of the year. Um, But I wonder where both players will be in terms of their mindsets and and whether they will be able to take advantage of opportunities they get early in these matches. These are so important, these matches leading up to the Australian Open.
1: One of the great stories of last year on Jabor breaking into the top 10. She will be in action as well against Astra Sharma. And what do you look for from Jabour coming off that great year in 2021?
3: Oh, it's it's uh, so fun to watch her play. And I think she was a trailblazer. So many breakthroughs. It's not always easy to kind of back that up and play with the same freeness. But I think Anz Jabour has the game to do that and to continue to build. She came up just short last year of getting into the, the season ending uh, the finals, the WTA finals. I think that would be a goal for her. And so For me, that's important for any player. As they move higher and higher, it becomes more difficult to maintain. But as she continues to set these higher goals, I think she can achieve them with how dynamic her game is.
2: It's funny to see players, once they become top players, how they handle now being I'm supposed to win sort of feeling. She's supposed to win this match against Sharma. We'll see how she handles it.
1: All right. Well, we've got players on court in Sydney. As we get you set for live tennis action coming up, Paula Badosa, Yelena Ostapenko. They will lead off a packed 12 hours of tennis from down under. Badosa looking to follow up on a great year. We'll take you there. Shanda Rubin will have the call coming up after this.